Hi, this is Frank, the co-host of the show. Just a quick advertisement and we'll get started. The show is brought to you by Viral Marketing, which is my firm, and Chris Waters, who offers a way to scale his real estate team systems fast and profitably in your market. I mean, he's done over a thousand transactions a year in Austin. It's a business in a box, if you will. Anyway, I encourage you to go to getviral.com and download a free copy of our official video marketing plan that we recommend uh, you implement to stay in better touch with your database uh, using video and social media and email so more people call you to list their home. I also want you to go to themilliondollarrealestateteam.com and get yourself a free copy of Chris's book he wrote on how he earned after expenses, this is net profit, $1 million in only three years since starting his team. So that's it. No more commercial. And let's get to the show. One, two, three, go. All right, do it. The Listing Lead Show. All right. So this is Frank Klesitz, your co-host with Chris Waters for The Listing Lead Show. I want to thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, you enjoy these shows, uh, go to listingleadshow.com and subscribe to get notified of any shows we put out. You may be wondering, how come we don't put out more regular shows? Well, because we don't want regular guests. We want good guests. And I'm a high-maintenance co-host. Yes, and Chris is a high-maintenance co-host, and... There's lots Frank of pod- sends me potential guests, and I say no. Yeah, no. Or, or we record no, a show, Frank. and it doesn't it doesn't get published. But we only want to put podcasts out worth listening to, and not stick to some uh, arbitrary publication schedule. So when you see this come across your Apple uh, podcast or whatever you use to listen to the show, it's always going to be a good one. And to deliver on that, our guest today is Gary Ashton. He has built for himself the number one Remax team in the world out of Nashville, uh, actually where I just recently moved to. I used to be San Diego and I just moved to Nashville, actually technically just outside Nashville South. So I'm coming to you live from Nashville today. And we're going to ask Gary how he gets his listing leads. This is the listing lead show. Welcome, Gary. All right. How's it going? Thanks for doing this. Gary's sitting at the Nashville airport. So yeah, little, Austin. Austin airport. Austin airport. I'm flying to Nashville. He's at the Austin airport. That's right. He was down there for a meeting. So if you get a little background noise on there, if, please forgive us. We'll do our best to edit it out. I, to was, make good uh, to to, but. I was screened by Chris this morning or this afternoon to make sure I was clear to do the uh, to do the podcast. And apparently I met the, the criteria. So I'm on. So he's, yeah, you definitely meet the criteria without question. Why don't you? <laughs> why don't you go ahead and it's okay to, to brag, Gary. I mean, you are the number one real estate team in the world. Why don't you update the oh, audience so, just a little bit on the scope of your team and operation you have in Nashville? So I have to clarify it because everybody's very protective of their naming rights of being number one because everybody's number one at something. But so we're the number one rematch team in the world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so give us an idea of the scope of that operation so, in Nashville. So now we're at, I think, 180 to 190 agents. We have, I think, 50 to 60 full-time staff. Um, and we're the broker partner for Zillow in Nashville doing Zillow offers, which that will probably end in a uh, – sometime in 2022 official real estate team i can't say realtor because that's a trademark violation but um official real estate team of the tennessee Titans, official real estate team of the national predators um, what else are we 
Uh, that's about it. And um, I think our volume last year was 824, heading for a billion this year if we can make it. That's my goal. So there's lots of questions I can ask you, but this is the listing lead show. I'm going to start with asking you how you get your listings. So, so let me ask you this question. Well, you just asked oh, me it. I know. What is the number one, number one source for listings for all those agents and for how were your listings come from? Number one source. What is it? So this is what the common misconception is because we do a lot of advertising. I've been doing radio for, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 years. It all, it all starts to blur. And then we've, done the sports marketing thing for seven or eight years. I've done SEO um, for, gosh, since 2004, I think. And um, then I'm with you top golf for a couple of years. So what I'm saying is that there's all these different um, places where we've developed and created some brand awareness, brand equity. So to say it came from one source, um, it's very hard to say, but I will say that in 2000 and maybe two years ago, so what's that, 2018, 19, um, after listening to Chris Lindell for a couple of years, tell me to do billboards and Justin Haver up in Canada to do billboards, I ended up doing billboards because I had somebody come into my market that was that was known as their MO. And so they, I knew that they were going to start doing a bunch of billboards. So as soon as I found out they're coming in, next day went out and bought 50 billboards. And interestingly enough, everything that Chris and Justin said came true. It, it definitely was a lift to the business. But I think it, it's because it you can't just go out and do billboards. I think it's you have to create that foundation over the over the years. Yeah, bill, billboards billboards do not work by themselves. No, like they just they amplify everything else you're doing. Yeah, but so now we're doing billboards, TV, radio, but it's and the SEO. So it's you know where does that final if you if you talk about Gary V the jab 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 right hook, you know where does the right hook come from? It's a it's a combination of everything. So, and it's over a period of years, you can't just put your billboards up and then expect everybody to start calling you for, for listings. So it's a, it's a long-term thing. That's why I was saying building that foundation and then we've just grown and it reinvested. You know, I, for some, something I would add, um, and I, you know, I know Frank, you're looking for a very you know, dis, dif, defi, definitive answer. And, you know, I face the same problem when I, you know, I first started radio, then I added billboards and TV. And like in the beginning, I could easily track it. You have a landing page, a vanity number. It's the only like expensive lead gen thing you're doing. And then you layer something else on and you see a lift. But at a certain point, like, and I've literally like sat next to the inside sales team and like listened to the call recordings or the guys live on the phone because I'm so sick of them not like writing out how the people heard about us. And like literally, like, I mean, y'all, this sounds crazy, but people on the, like I heard this so many times from people, they said, it's like a sign from God. 
that, I've that never heard I that am supposed to call you. <laughs> like I've heard that so many times, oh, you know, and so like and the point is, is like it's really hard to like, you know, say what's number one or what's, you know, what's the um, the best thing. Um, what I'm, you know, what I'm selfishly interested in knowing about is the uh, sports marketing you do. Um, the ten, I mean, to be the official real estate team of an NFL team, like, holy cow. Um, I mean, like what, you know, and it sounds like you started doing the uh, sports marketing pretty early in, like eight years ago, right? Because like your team has really exploded in the last five years, right? And so like from 2015 to 2020, you guys exploded. But from 2010, 2010 to 2015, it was, you know, you guys were doing great, but it was modest growth. So was it, you know, radio was at like the first stepping stone and then sports marketing like created that huge upward lift? Um, like Honestly, there was a, there was, there's, if you look at it like that, we had our own team, within, we were a team within a brokerage. And then in 2015 or 16, I got broker released from that brokerage. And that's when I started my own brokerage, but I partnered with Deborah Beagle and Johnny Lee. And so at that point, we, we had a lot more control on, over how we do things. And then um, Scott Hull is my tech guy, sales leader. He, you know, we started a whole ISA department and we started working the leads completely differently in the, I was, my shiny object is how do, how do we get more leads, get more leads, get more leads. But then we were throwing so many leads at agents. We were inundating them. So, and then there was no accountability. There was no, I mean, what we did and created over a period of time was refined, was, was um, just implementing systems and accountability and training training was a big thing so that in itself probably accounted for a lot of the growth so it's just a combination of all things the advertising was improved the, the message was improved because i was doing guaranteed sold for a long time which i i never really liked and then then it was just it's just been more of a branding play but probably the biggest thing is it's actually having owning the brokerage and then by luck or by design, having people within the organization that stepped up and really started implementing a lot of the systems that I think led to the success. So it's not me, it's the people that I'm around, you know. So Gareth, let me ask you this question that the audience wants to know. What's going through everyone's mind is you're spending a ridiculous money relatively speaking, not ROI speaking because it works on staffing, on fixed labor costs, yeah, as well as on advertising. Mm -hmm. And here's my question. I really want to ask this from you because this is your opportunity to really give a good answer like for the world. Clearly, you're unique. Clearly, you're the outlier. How did you get, how did you have the emotional strength? Was it a bank loan? Was it equity? Was it savings? How did how did you begin to write the checks every month on the staff and the checks every month 
on the advertising in the beginning when you were making this shift to like, I have to hire staff and I have to buy the leads, especially with this long-term branding idea. How did you have the emotional fortitude to do that? So I, I always say it's luck, vision, and money. So it's a combination of all those three. But it's kind of like if you go to Vegas and you start gambling, you don't go in with $5 million and start throwing down a million dollars on red and, and throwing up. You, you start generally small 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 amounts and you gamble a little bit here you get some return you gamble a little bit more you get some return and then instead of taking the money out you keep playing it you keep reinvesting in the business this is what i did um and why did you do that so you you that was really big of you to like take that money and keep throwing it back in you clearly have a temperament for the ability to do that i think that's just what, the, what makes you unique to be able to do that where most people don't do that. Uh, so when I was married, I probably had a little bit more of a Sunday saying, don't do that, don't do that. But when I was single, which I still am, then I don't have anybody really saying that's not going to work. So I, I think I'm just speculative by nature. So it's, I'm not, but I don't, I don't gamble. Everything is generally, I think reasonably, well thought out like like i i don't know if i mentioned earlier on i you know chris and lindell have been telling talking telling me to do billboards for i don't know two or three years and and i didn't because i thought the return i was getting from the how many did he have going at any one time in minneapolis chris chris oh yeah. he's he's a couple of hundred he's he dominates there so it in nashville i think i have like around about 80 so um I have a fairly strong presence, but yeah, in, in Minneapolis, Chris really dominates the market. So. so let me ask this follow-up question. So I want to just kind of hear your take on your ability to take to bootstrap from all of your listings and sales to take whatever money's left over and throw it just right back into advertising and staff. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Got it. So now well, when, you, when you go to the market, when you, well, when you do, when you do this advertising, let's get this one question in. Okay. You're, you're on all these billboards. You're on... TV, you're on radio right now. For you sound excited for, for me. That's great. I like That's that. Great. I am. I'm very excited for you. This is very, this is exciting. I mean, yeah. I really look at you as a role model. I was like, I'd like to get there. I don't have the guts to drop that kind of money on billboards. I just started personally for my side business about 10 grand a month on radio, which gave me a heart attack, but I'm not playing the game like you are, Gary. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Yeah. In all of your advertising, what's the message? So you have a competitor with a message here. What's your message? What's the message on all the so all I, the radio ads and TV ads? What's what's the message they're hearing from you? I actually used the same message for a while, like you know, guaranteed offer. So, but for a, for a long time, I've had this underlying, I guess you would call it a catchphrase or a, the slogan that's associated with me, which is "Don't sell without the intel," and that's always been. Throughout our campaigns, that's always been like the underlying message, don't sell without the intel. And we've been doing that on radio for a long time. And then we'd, we'd use another message like guaranteed offer or get your dream address without the stress. <laughs> but, but the one thing that people kept coming back Jerry, to. Jerry, I never heard that. 
Well, Did, get your dream have you heard that, that phrase? Have you heard that phrase? No, Gary. That, that's a good I've, phrase. No, people that's like That's an it. amazing phrase. It's an amazing phrase. So what was it again? Oh, I'm writing again? this down. I'm gonna what write this phrase? down. Oh, it's copyright. Get your dream address without the stress. Sham <laughs> <laughs> wow, baby. Yeah. I love it. So. But the but the one thing that we we kept on using and it and it became apparent that people if I would meet them they would go hey don't sell without the intel and that means that's kind of like my phrase and so rather than trying to come up with other things and trying to rather trying to battle against the like unique selling propositions of like yeah. pitch pitches. So instead of doing like guaranteed offer, guaranteed sell, some bait, let's call it, to get the call. Yeah. You went with a catchphrase on everything. Uh, essentially. But it's not a catchphrase. So if you listen to the radio, the radio explains the rationale behind explaining what, what the intel, having the intel means, which is because we have so many people visiting our site every day. We're at ten to 11,000 people. We have access to all these off-market properties through the advertising and the marketing we do because it generates people. So we have all this intel about properties, so don't sell without the intel. Come to us first. Chat to us. We'll give you the insight. We'll tell you how many people have been looking in to buy a, buy a home just like yours. So it's all – the only thing you see on the billboard is don't sell without the intel. But like I said, we've been doing that for – like three three years now. So we've, we've built up that brand equity. People have come to know us, trust us, and then having the association with the world brand like the NFL um, and the NHL, seeing our names associated with that. We're on TV a lot with the local news sources. We'll use us to, in their real estate reporting segments. So we're seen as part of the community you know we, we give back to children's miracle network so over over time it just builds up that um, confidence in us as in somebody that can sell your house and so don't sell without the intel it's just something that's branded us and, and it's memorable and that's what that's what people associate with Gary, this one's Gary, do you do you think you um will ever change that slogan Gary, have you thought about changing it? Well, I have changed it, and I've gone from all these other ones that we've used. Get your dream address without the stress is one of them. Uh, That's more buy side focused, though, right? So, what's what? Like, would you well, change the well, seller again, focused? Getting your dream address without the stress was was the fact that you could sell your house. Sorry, buy your house without the stress of having to sell your house because some of the programs that we use, we have. The ability for people to to buy without selling, and we have oh, well, like we have the Ashton advantage, all the different ways that we can help help you sell your home. So, but I actually like get your dream address. Uh, no, get don't sell without the intel. I think that's that one's become the most impressive on the billboards. It gets the message across. It's reinforcing everything we're doing on TV and radio. And 
Nobody I, else. I want to ask a quick question. I want to ask a quick question. So, th- so a few moments ago, you said, you know, the way you emotionally with, you know, the way you were able to emotionally withstand the pain of paying out thousands of dollars, waiting to get a return, was by doing it in small bite-sized chunks, not you know, coming out of the gate spending fifty to hundred, two hundred yeah. grand a month. So it's a gradual for people growth. that are for people that are listening to this right now that are trying to find or are trying to identify what are those stones they should what are those small stones they should be stacking right now what what would like what would you tell them to go out and do like what are the stones they should go out and start stacking um if they're you know like in the same position you were 10 years ago uh well the the most obvious thing is to work on the sphere of influence because that's such an old school way of generating some business and everybody wants to zoom past that and generate leads left right and center but first of all you have to create the money to be able to reinvest so the cheapest way is to go out and just work your sphere of influence and um, do the old school things by what would you do after sphere what else but what else what i mean if you if you've got five grand to spend a month what would you go put it in so right now I would be on Google local services if you can get on there, uh, which is essentially pay per click. Because yeah, it's there. It's like a higher, better PPC. Yeah. Yeah. So that's because like you had to be early in on that, so you had to make sure that you had the reviews. Um, so that has been really good for us. Conversion rate of that stuff is really good. Just for people listening, those Google local service ads conversions great. But no, this is what I'll this is what I'll tell you on that though. It's still a function of how much people are aware of us in the city, because again, once building that brand awareness on the radio and TV, and then they they go to Google and they search for Nashville Realtors, and my name pops up. That's reinforcing everything that subliminally they've been aware of over the last two, three, four, five years. So even with Google, I think what they've having to do is they take me off after a while because our call, our call rate is so high because of the awareness of us in the market. So they're, they're almost throttling us so they can give other people in the market a chance. <laughs> oh, it's true. It's a, it's, a dead, it's, a, it's a struggle, Gary. <laughs> Gary, would you, Gary, if you went into another market right now get, with the resources you have, yeah, what's the first thing you would launch, the second thing you'd launch, and third thing you'd launch? Money's no object, resources no object. What's first, second, and third thing? How would you stack it? Well, I think you know, like I know Chris is doing this in other markets, and he's going in heavy on the billboards. And having that supported by radio, so it's again, it's the, it's the the one two effect. And then you've got all the. What what would be number three? So radio billboards one two. What's three? Well, the the retargeting or targeting ads, you know, having stuff through Facebook and just generally retargeting is. Uh, cor- Do you so people, people that are coming? Yeah, people, people come into your website. website yeah. We target them. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. You, yeah. What Gary about question, what, what about target. the? Let's ask that I put, dear, you're a big tech guy. 
Have you ever, do you know a service that you, have you heard of anything where you can upload a list of all the homeowners in Nashville and run ads just to those homeowners? So reevaluate is something that I tried in 2018 and that was supposed to be predictive analytics of uh, people that were thinking of moving or they were showing all the signs and it sounded awesome to me. And they were supposed to scrape your existing database and then match that with people. <clears throat> so that didn't work. But that was 2018 and I think we were just, they just started and I think we adopted that service too early on. And it didn't work for us, but just recently, heard lots of good things about Revaluate. So we're about to start another program with that. So that's the latest. Gary, would you, um, would you go into another city and add a professional sports team? Yes. You me, would? That, yeah, because that gives you credibility amongst um, the residents of that town. So that essentially makes you a local. Because if you're part of that, if you're associated with them. So there's like, there's that um, subliminal messaging that if you're associated with the NFL, if the NFL is promoting me as the official real estate team, then there's there's got to be some hoops and hurdles and criteria that I've had to jump through to become the official real estate team at the time. So again, it's like that subliminal thing. So, so I'm I'm going to inject just a little minute or moment. So Gary, I don't know. Um, we've we've had some get uh, some we've, we've had several guests on the show previously that you know when you have the the means the resources you know they recommend radio and billboards and they've kind of shared sh different strategies um you're the first person we've had that does um sports you know marketing and so i'm kind of curious like how like your mess your your deal with the tennessee titans you know th the audience that's like watching it on tv the audience that's at the stadium like how are they seeing your message is it um is it on the scoreboard or there's a banner? Are you on some flyers? Like, how are they seeing your messaging? Well, there's, there's a few levels. So the most organic level is that when I got the deal with the Titans, they gave me a suite. And I said, I didn't want the suite. I still wanted some tickets to the games, but I wanted four, four tickets I can use for promotion. And then uh, I took four tickets for me. And But then I wanted to use... Uh, I had an RV, which I wanted to use and do a tailgate. So I asked if I could get a spot where I could do a tailgate. I wanted to wrap my RV with all the branding and then invite our clients, basically. So make it a client appreciation party. But essentially, the clients were past, future, and present. And anybody that was walking past uh, our tailgate at the stadium than just trying to create the awareness that way. So having, I don't know if you've been to our tailgates, but we have a lot of branding at the tailgates. So very obviously associated with that. So even if you don't come to the tailgate, you walk past it, you see it, and it's all Gary Ashton. It's all, all about me. What about um, in the stadium? Right. So then, then the second level is you, you walk into the stadium and then there's, um, they're not billboards the poster size so those are all around the stadium as you walk through the concourse so again that's subliminal but it's reinforcing it's just 
it's really just my name again, picture of me. The one constant is the picture of me. And then when you get into the stadium and you're watching the game, and then you have the ribbon advertising that goes around, um, probably about two or three feet tall, and it's, it's ribbon advertising that goes, what's that, what are you laughing at? No, I'm just like, this This has, has to be amazing. Like, when you go to a game and just see your name everywhere, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> so It's so, cool. So hey, have, I'm just curious, hang on really quick. Do you have access yeah. to like a sweet box? Do they give you like a an owner's no. box to watch the game or anything? No, you because that? originally they gave me a suite as part of my deal. So essentially I'm a sponsor. So just like anybody else, you, you're a sponsor. So they, part of your sponsorship deal is to, obviously you want to be going to the game so you get tickets. So they gave me a suite and that's when, that's when I said I wanted to trade that out. Instead of taking the 16-person suite, I wanted four tickets for me in club level and then four tickets which I could use for promotional. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but the NFL, if you, you could buy tickets to the Titans game, Frank, because you now live in Nashville, but you couldn't use those to promote um, – Anything that you wanted to do because you yeah, don't have rights. on the radio saying I'm giving away tickets. No, so you don't have rights to the in. mark. Yeah. So having the rights to the mark was, was was strong for me again because is that that association that I'm allowed to give away four tickets as a promotional uh, thing for every game. Um, and so I didn't want the suite. I wanted to trade that for the space where I did my tailgate. Which for me meant instead of being in, I mean, if you guys come to Nashville, it would be awesome to take you to my suite. That's pretty cool. But, you know, there's 12 people in there. Whereas if, with the tailgate, essentially we get 30 odd thousand people walking past that every game, which is, again, it's like a. It seems like the lo- that creates that awareness. And then. It seems like the location of your RV is pretty critical. <laughs> yeah, well, we had it. So, actually, when I did this, I thought they were going to give me a corner in the parking lot somewhere, but they actually gave me this spot right in front of the the, the entrance road into the to the uh, stadium. It's pretty cool. And then, the, what do you give? What do you have at your RV? Like, are you giving away hats, t-shirts? No, what are you, no. You cooking food? We do hamburgers and hot dogs and. Uh, yeah, we don't really give anything away. It's more of a. It's just a tailgate and it's hanging out with people, inviting people. So we do hamburgers, hot dogs. Frank, you're invited. Whenever you want, want to come up to a game. Oh, I would love to come. Know. Yeah. I'd love to come. And yeah. Gary, do you do you have to do you go to every game or do you have people helping you host that RV? Well, with the, I got a team of 180, so that's part of the deal is that every game we, we divide it into groups of about 10 or 15 so the agents come and help out. And I have some, yeah, when I first did it, I used to set it up myself with the help of a few people. But now we got people coming in and driver bringing in the RV. Oh, we also have a, a trailer, a CMT trailer, like where the, the side comes down so it turns into a stage. It's it's a big deal. Wow. Yeah. You got a, quite the, you're really leveraging this thing. That's good, man. Like in your own tailgate. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Go to GaryAshtonTailgate.com. Perfect. GaryAshtonTailgate.com. Gary, I'm coming to a tailgate. I'll drive 30 minutes north to come to a game from where I'm at. And then, so so you were asking me then what, how do we leverage it? So then within the, within the, 
within the game. So if you're not at the game, you listen on radio. We have ads on there, which is through Mike Keith, who's the voice of the Titans. So again, it's that association with the actual NFL team. And then we have TV commercials that run throughout the game. Great. All right. <laughs> Clearly a lot of stuff to talk about with branding and marketing at the highest level. That's the big takeaway here. Yeah. I want to go a little deeper downstream to give the audience something a little more tangible. So clearly this is generating leads and you have people on the phone following up with these leads. Yep. Brief question. Do the agents follow up with the leads or do you have a call center of ISAs following up to give them to the agents? So the very, when I, when I started generating leads, I was the person that was answering the phone. Oh, sorry. Making the calls. So I would always do really well as soon as the lead came in because I was getting maybe one or two leads a day from pay-per-click. So I would always make the call. I would establish a relationship with the person on the phone. And then when I started getting more leads, I did the same thing. But then I would say, hey, I'm going to – Frank on my team is the Brentwood expert. So I'm going to pass you over to, to, to Frank. He's going to – chat to you and figure out what you're looking for. And then there would always be that, oh, so we're not going to work with you. So it was always that disconnect and the, they felt that they were being handed off to somebody. So that's when I, instead of taking all the calls myself, I would uh, hand them out to the agents. But as we know, agents get busy, agents don't do follow-ups. So then we implemented the ISAs who were overseas which is great because they were making the calls and doing the follow-up. But still, there was a little bit of a disconnect there. So the next thing for us that really moved the needle, I feel, was using in-house ISAs who are licensed. So all our ISAs, I think we have 10 now, that are based in Nashville. They're all local Nashville. They live here. They're licensed. They know the market. Um, and so now the leads come in and they're, they're nurtured by our in-house ISA team who are actually licensed agents. So they can talk with authority on the market, talk about price, all that good stuff. And then those leads get assigned out. So there are appointments and requests. So they go, that's when they get assigned to an agent. Gary, that was really the, insightful. Are you doing that on the list side and by side? And that was on the really buy side, Gary. On the buy side, Gary, are you um, scheduling the meetings at a coffee shop, at the house, or in your office? Like, where's the what's the protocol there? Uh, Chris, so move your mic up. With uh, with those, the appointments are generally to go see a property, so it's it's meeting them at the property most of the time. Okay, but don't get so, too into the weeds on that because I don't hundred percent know. <laughs> Gary, let me ask you this. Why does a licensed real estate agent take an ISA role? Well, you have to remember that um, they're not licensed IS. They're not not realtors when they get the job. We want people who are good on the phone. Like the first person that became the licensed ISA was Scott. And he went from being a realtor to starting the ISA team because – he was, uh, he was married and they were having the first baby. So he wanted more of a, a nine to five kind of schedule, which is what he thought, but it didn't turn out that way. But 
he didn't want to be out showing homes all day long. So that's when we we suggested he take over or start this ISA department. So then our second hire after that was a friend of Scott's who worked at BMI, which is a um, music publishing in Nashville. And what what his job was, was just calling people, asking for essentially collecting money, I think is what it was. So very used to making calls and being on the phone all day long. Had no interest in selling real estate, but we knew that we needed somebody that was good on the phone. And then back to the original point that to get their license means that they can actually talk about um, real estate sales and questions. So the personality of that somebody wants to make calls all day long is very different from somebody who wants to be a realtor because a realtor generally wants that freedom to be able to go out and meet people and socialize and be outgoing, driving around neighborhoods, showing property. That's what realtors like to do. So all so of your agents just different get, from, all your agents just get business kind of handed to them from the ISA team? Well, they, they can also generate business themselves, but yeah, that's how from the business that I give them is through the ISAs. Yeah. That's a pretty sweet deal. You know, you're going to come in with your brand and you're going to spend all this money on marketing. Then you have licensed ISAs following up. They just hand them people to go work and go on the appointments. I'm assuming after that, you have a transaction management team, listing yep. team. Yeah. Right. So, so, we so make all it. your agents are doing is going on appointments and negotiating contracts, right? Correct. Well, you know, some of them, they actually want to talk to a realtor. They're new. They want to, to the point where they're going to be in the area, but they want to talk to somebody. But essentially, yes, there are appointments or showings. So we've taken, because we understand that agents are not good with follow-up because agents are out busy doing other things. So you can't say that they're lazy. You just say that their focus is on a select, in a different area. So when you've been out showing homes all day long, when you come home, the last thing you're probably going to do is do you nurture and you follow up from all the leads that you got last week. So we take that away from them and allow them to do what they're best at, which is meeting people and showing homes and writing contracts. Chris, you have the same model too. You spend money on marketing and you have ISAs following up, passing the agents, right? You don't put the agents on wild leads. That's right. Yep. Yeah, I think, I think we, that, that's been well, a, that's common over the last few years. That's kind of one, developed. I'd probably say one little nuance is like, you know, when we bring in new agents, or not new agents, but relatively new agents in the grand scheme of things, um, we take them through a 30-day boot camp, and we do get them calling on the phone, like, rather quickly and prospecting, yeah. so they understand scripts and best practices. Yeah. And then um, we're, you know, we're also um, pushing them to do other activities like open houses and things of that nature. And we have a, you know, Gary, I don't know how you do it, but we have like a point system based off your activities and whoever's doing more of the activities, um, you know, to, to, to grow and do better, um, get more appointments. So we have, so this is something that Scott's developed, which is, um, kind of like an in-house thing um, that tracks the number of calls, the number of emails, the quality of the call. So it's not purely about volume. It's about how success, what the outcomes are. 
because um, just making a hundred calls isn't doesn't guarantee you success if you've only got one closing out of it. But if you're making less calls and having more appointments and more closings, um, uh, so we have that whole system in the background. But we do the same thing. We have a um, three or four week boot camp, and then it's 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 training everybody. Taking what, because most of the agents are new when they join, so it's taking what they've learned in real estate school, which is the barrier to entry, <clears throat> but then putting those, put applying that in the real world by really learning how to um, to leverage what we have as a team in terms of the negotiating, the scripting. Um, the intel that we have because we don't want anybody to sell without the intel so it's 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 creating that knowledge to the agents what's the hours of coverage for your inbound team so you have a whole call center of 10 people answering all the inbounds from all your yeah. marketing what, what are the coverage hours stops at uh, i think it starts at eight or seven and ends at eight or nine i can't remember exactly Seven days a week. Yeah. Seven days a week. And are they in the office or they work from home? Uh, I think we were one of the early on. I've always been a proponent of working remotely. So even before COVID, I, I've never had an office. And I've always pushed for that. Um, some people don't like working in the office. Sorry, working at home. As agents, they like to be in the office environment. But somebody that's just answering calls and it's kind of a, 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 not a lonely job, but uh, it usually got two or three screens and then you just answer calls. So you can do that from home. And uh, we've been big proponents of that for quite a long time. So, so when you're, let me ask this, when your agents go on the appointment, I already saw open door ads in Nashville as I'm driving around. I mean, everywhere I look, I see an agent advertising all up the, the interstate. Um, can you tell me like some of the unique offerings, some of the, the the things you need to show up on a listing presentation to bring value to the seller? Like so, tangible, real problems you solve for the seller that uh, the agent needs to have? So for us, it's really been, been, it's establishing what's the motivation for selling. So some people will just want to sell quickly and they don't, they're not looking to maximize their profit, which is the whole, um, guaranteed offer program it's essentially you it's creating that level of convenience where you don't have to do any open houses don't have to do any showings you don't have to do any repairs so then you've got to find out the motivation is it is it timing or is it money because we can do the guaranteed offer we've got a couple of investors that will do that we're obviously the broker partner for zillow but we also do auctions, which is an auction is essentially the same, covers everything, it's, it's the same in terms of you can you don't have to do any repairs, you don't have to do an open house, you don't have to do any showings. You can pick your closing date, but you instead of getting one guaranteed offer, you you're going to get multiple guaranteed offers. So. It's, it depends on people's comfort level with that. Some some people like that. And then some people want to maximize their return. So obviously with a guaranteed offer, you're only essentially getting one offer. Whereas we like to, if you want to put it on the market, we can show them through the 
the reverse search on our website, we can show them essentially how many people have been looking at a house like theirs in the last 45 days. So we can show them that there's a demand for them for the property. So it's it's really just figuring out what the motivation of the seller is. So you come to the appointment with all options yeah. and help them understand all their options. It, it's yeah, it's it's that's where you've got to ask the right questions, be able to explain the different options that we have, which I don't think many people have everything that we have. Um, so we're a good we're a good we're a good choice for most people. And then it just becomes down to are you willing to pay for that? And so then comes the question of the commission, the struggle with commission, the downward pressure and commission. Um, and some people aren't willing to pay for what we provide. So you know, we don't get every single listing, but we get most of them. What do you see happening in five years with commissions? Mm, I kind of feel like there's a trification. So there's meaning that there's, There'll be the lower end of the market, which is, which will be just a flat fee, and and uh, more emphasis on on the uh, I buy-in program, where people just don't have any. They're very used to. Well, actually, the lower end. Hang on, I thought this through before, but the lower end is more of a flat fee. The higher end is the. You know, the people buying the four or five billion dollar homes, they just want amazing service, which is kind of what the successful agents do right now, provide the concierge service. But I think that will become even more enhanced um, at the higher end level. And then you've got the mid-level, which is where, again, the agents that provide the best service will be the ones that have longevity. Because you will be com competing with the iBuyer program. Um, so lower end, just a flat fee. They're the ones that are more price sensitive. And then the middle is just, you've got to create such an added value that you can compete against the, um, the iBuy-in program. And then, like I said, the high end is just, they're happy to pay whatever it takes for them to get the house. And, and Gary, the knowledge of the agents. with all the money you have, going out on staff and all the money you have going on marketing, are you able to make a profit just on the commission alone or are there other sources of revenue coming in to support that infrastructure? So we're, we're primarily focused on the commission. So obviously, and the, I always explain to the agents, every deal on the commission splits, they're making way more money per deal than I'm making. The only way I make the money is by the, the volume of, of, of deals. But with all team programs, um, it's trying to develop money from those ancillary services, which is essentially what teams do. Like, um, I don't have my own mortgage company, but I, we had get uh, contributions from our um, preferred lender to things like Ylopo, um pay-per-click stuff that we're doing and then i'm just in the in the early stages having talked to chris about this for a long time 
setting up a, a title company, joint venture with a title company. And then moving is another one that we don't we don't actually have as a a, a revenue stream, but other other people do, will do that. So, which is what Zillow is doing. Zillow is becoming just a big team leader, so they they're using the the real estate transaction as a driver for all those peripheral services. So they will get down to the point where they can lose money on the transaction or potentially do it for free as long as you use all their peripheral services. Which is How much of your staff carries overseas versus in the States? Oh, uh, the overseas staff is like, it's either six or eight. So it's not many. Most people are here. Yeah. And we use uh, we use a lot of overseas companies to like uh, based in Australia and stuff like that. But actual employees, yeah, they're all local. So we're actually giving back to the community. Good. What's your um, favorite piece? Your you love tech, Gary. What's your favorite piece of technology right now? Right now. What's your favorite real estate tech? So real estate tech. Hmm. I like BombBomb. BombBomb is one of my favorites, which is, I mean, they've been around a long time, but I've, it's funny because I've had BombBomb for a long time and it's like anything else. I like shiny objects, so I got it and I didn't use it. And then I found people that were using it. So then I started using it. Then I started seeing the value in it. And then I really started looking at how to use BombBomb and really more for for accountability within the team. So being able to track open rates, and how long people have watched the video, you know, segmenting out who hasn't and who has. So I like bomb bomb. I like blink. Have you heard of blink? Um, it's just a, it's just a, a phone. It's not really real estate, but it's, it's integral to what we do because it's a dynamic signature within your email, which relates to your, the QR code, which then enables you to transfer your, your contact information, which is, I think it's going to, they're going to expand into, um, you know, Linktree for Instagram. So it'll be, everything will be in the same environment. Essentially. What's it so called? Like, Blink? What is it? B-L-I-N-Q. Blink dot app, I think it is. Dot app. It's an email signature generator. Yeah, which for me, I like it because it creates constant branding. So every agent has one, but it enables us to maintain that consistency in terms of the branding is there. You can't change your email address, so you can't be frank at gmail.com. You have to be frank at nationalrealestate.com. You can't change the office phone number. You can't change the office address. So it helps to create that consistency. Because you're controlling everyone's email signatures in the organization. Correct. Yeah. So I really like that. Give us two more. Give us a couple more. What other good tech things do you like? (laughs) Uh, So one that we've just started is a company called Whitley. You know them? W-I-T-L-Y dot net. So that's just video retargeting, which is obviously, I mean, people have been talking about video being important for years, but it's 
obviously more and more important. So for me, that again helps to reinforce the brand association with the leads that we're generating from all the sources. So it's it's going back to having me thanking people for registering on the site, um, giving them tips on all the stuff that you guys do, but it's 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 targeted towards people that are in our database of people that hopefully our agents are working with. And then I think I mentioned the revaluate. So that um, we're doing something with those guys too, which, like I said, 2018, I think we were ahead of the curve a little bit, but I've talked to a few people that that whole predictive analytics is, is something that it's really, it's pretty cool to be able to know and track somebody's journey through life and basing it on where they visit. They've got all these little indicators that at some point tip the, the bucket to say, ding, 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 they're moving. So it's getting ahead of those. And so Remax has an app called First, First.io, which is a similar kind of thing. So it's, it's taken everybody, all your contacts in your phone and using all the predictive stuff to, to make you aware that you should be contacting somebody or you should be reaching out for somebody. And so we're using that. So it's kind of, it's just database stuff, right? Um, yeah. Know that well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, Oh, there's that's right. Two, I should be using yeah. get viral. It's <laughs> <No, that's, laughs> Gary, it's fine. Share who you use. The The two things I want to share uh, with the audience is uh, a $5 a day Facebook remarketing budget that goes to everyone who's visited your website, everybody that's clicked on your ads or commented on your ads or done anything with your inter interactive in any way online, as well as taking your whole database. I'm sure, Gary, I'm sure yours is huge, but your own database and uploading to Facebook and just having one little ad with some nice little videos for five bucks a day running to that list is one of the more effective things you can do to promote your videos. And then the other thing is there's a company we use, uh, Gary, just like Revaluate that I, that I like to have a relationship with is uh, Likely.ai. So like, yeah, Likely.ai, they have the database refresh where you take your whole list and upload it to them. They'll append maybe any missing contact information uh, from what I understand and then kind of run it against like, you know, is this person, what are they looking at online? Like all that data that's for sale on like different lifestyle changes and say, hey, these people are predictive likely to sell. And I think that they said when they backdate the data, it's about 10%. So, you know, if there's a list of a hundred, there's gonna be 10 people that are gonna sell in the next 90 days on those addresses. So that's, that's how you always really kind of, kind of check out the data providers of all the predictive analytics is like, hey, if you sell me this list, like how many of these homes are actually going to trade in the next, say, 90 days? And that's the percentage of how accurate it is. It's very important you try to know that or maybe there's like an independent third party that tests those things from the companies. But I'd tell the audience to go check out likely.ai. And then if you're a viral client listening to this, go spend the five bucks a day on remarketing your videos to your database. <clears throat> so they, so. I just wish Facebook was a little easier to, to use because I... I think I knew enough to be dangerous, like you said, like you upload your, your database, Facebook will scrub it, you can create 
the look-alike audiences. And, but it's it's almost like you you need a university degree now on Facebook too. Well, it's a very powerful thing. You just keep it real simple. If anyone's listening to this, go in there, create a campaign, create one ad set, throw the warm audiences in there. And then inside that ad set, you run a couple of ads running that audience of some videos, a call to action so people know who you are. That's the name of the game. Gary, this is super helpful. Thank you. Any other good tech tips? And we'll start wrapping up the interview. Uh, You know, call action is another one that we use. It's, It's... there's a thing, essentially, it's about automation. Everybody wants to automate everything. <clears throat> so that we're, we're heavily automated. And for me, it's just about finding the balance between automate, automation and real people. And you can be too automated. And then you've got to be careful of the... You've got to look at it from the consumer experience and that yes you need to be constantly trying to reach out and convert and follow up and but you also got to make sure that there's a consistency and that the the experiences that you know if they get text messages and, and emails and then you actually reach them that you're not then sending emails and texts that aren't consistent with aren't relevant and yeah. accidentally fire off that shouldn't. Yeah, and that and that's a problem. That I, not a problem, but it's something that I'm becoming more and more aware of. Is that because I keep bolting on all these shiny objects? It's making sure. So my analogy, I think, is I'm in a band. I'm playing the drums. I got Frank up front, who's the agent, who's singing, delivering a great performance. And I've got all these people in the band, another guitarist, um, keyboard player, bass player. So when everybody's playing in unison, the message from the singer is being delivered loud and clear. And then the consumer is going, that's a good song. I like that. I like that message. But when the drummer starts to do a drum solo at the same time as the guitarist is doing a solo, the same time as the keyboard player is doing a solo, and the singer's trying to sing, that's when the noise comes in. And that's when the consumer will say, well, he's a good singer, but I can't hear anything because of all the noise. I'm just going to, and that's when they unsubscribe. So even though the information that we're giving to them is useful, they just, they just overload it. So they, they get out. So it's creating that concerted, is it concerted? Um, consistent and the campaign that makes sense, that delivers in the correct sequence, you know, and, and supports everything. So that's the whole thing that we're doing with Active Pipe. I don't know if you know those guys. It's 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 allowing the consumer to almost create their own journey by the responses that they're giving to us by email and they're selecting they're creating the journey themselves. So that's which is essentially what agents should be doing if they were really monitoring everybody's navigation around the back end, seeing what properties they've been looking at, seeing what favorites they're saving, and then going in and adjusting the, the searches and things like that. So uh, Active Pipe is one that we've got high hopes for. That um, Yeah, they're, they're, they're an Australian company, so they've been around for a while. 
in Australia, and they're relatively new in the US, like the last year or so. So, Karen, let me. This is kind of. I have a question for Chris and Gary. You're the top real estate agents in the world, both of you. Um, do leads ever go directly to agents, or does it always go through an ISA team? I've seen different models, but you two have the ISAs that go to the agents. So I have a um, a lead source, which is through Realtor.com, which are live transfers, and they do go to the agents. So the agents have to accept those. Um, so those those are an example of where the agents do take the leads directly live. So it's not going through ISAs. Um, and then Zillow does the same thing. They got live transfers. Cool. Chris, you have any more questions for Gary? We're wrapping up an hour of his time. This is really helpful, Gary. Thank you. I'm really appreciative of, of Gary coming on the show. I'm uh, checking out all these new shiny tech objects and I'm super excited about them. Um, that was super insightful. The information on um, sports marketing. Uh, we've had quite a few guests talk about the benefits of radio billboard and their you know various strategies, and um, you know uh, man wealth of knowledge today. A lot of you shared a lot of information. So, so the, so the one thing I will say about sports marketing is it it doesn't guarantee you that you get every player, but you have to look at that as just as more of an awareness thing and credibility. And then you can use the, the players to, or the people in the organization to help you offset the cost of the, the sponsorship. So you can zero base it based on, and then obviously you can make money with it too. But uh, even though it's expensive, I think it pays off. Well, Gary, thank you so much for your time today on the Listing Lead Show. Yeah, this is been great. Something. I'm going to have to start listening to it now. It's awesome. It's a good show. Hey, Gary, yeah. I, you should, I, you know, look, I, we, Gary, Frank will tell you, I'm hypercritical of the guests. And I've turned down, a, I've, just this past week, we turned down a lot of people. And I'm so glad uh, you were in Austin this week and we got to see each other. I apologize for all the background noise. That's my four-year-old jumping on my leg. But, What's um, up? Yeah. Anyways, I'm... <laughs> so, the... Um, this is the COVID, the time, this is like part of COVID, right? It's just a normal thing yeah. to have yep. kids yeah. interrupting you on Zoom yeah. and on podcasts. But anyway, so, viral now. Um, we had a great guest uh, two weeks ago, um, yep. Dunk, uh, Andrew Duncan, just some pure yep. genius on billboard strategy. Um, uh, we had, uh, you know, the, probably the, I want to so call him Andrew, the God. I want to call him the- I helped, Andrew, I helped him to get into, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is the NFL team. So I set that up for him because he, I think he, he wanted to do some sports marketing. Turned out that they were too expensive because they're a big market. So then I think that's what led him to do the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I think he's a strong proponent of the sports marketing. Yeah. Is he still he, doing it? I think yeah, he is. Yep, he did. He talked about that on the show. And um, another great episode, uh, or another great thing he talked about on the episode was his billboard strategy. He, he's more using like an entertainment type of strategy to catch people's attention. Like, you know, whatever's relevant at that point in time, he uses that in um, correspondence with his billboard strategy that he changed that, changed that from a messaging perspective. So anyways, this has been so, a great, great, uh, great insightful show on another mass media play. 
I'd be interested to see his billboard campaign. So it must be on digital rather than static stuff. No, he's he said on the show he he's doing the static, you know, paper vinyl billboards, and he changes them every three months. But how is he tying that into what's relevant at the time? That's what I was getting at. Hmm. He mentioned something on the show about like Star Wars and being Han Solo or something. I think there's a new Star Wars coming out in the fall. Oh, so okay, so not not like on up to the hour relevant. Just okay, I'll be interested to see what he's doing. Did something Always. during the election with um, Trump and Hillary back then? You know, stuff like that. I stay away from all that. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much yes, for your sir. time today. Oh, thank you. It's fun. Chat to you soon. Adios.